things have been rough. I'm not here to tell you that's not correct. And that's not the case. But today, for the first segment, I want to pitch this basketball game to you. And I want to try and spin zone this struggled and troublesome and loss-ridden Syracuse basketball team and find a few positives and a few reasons to tune in tonight as they play Georgia Tech in the Dome. It's Locked on Syracuse, and it starts right now. Our Locked on Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to Locked On Syracuse. And thank you for making Locked On Syracuse your first listen today and every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Owen Valentine breaking down some Syracuse basketball action. And I would be lying to you if I said that the last two weeks have not been frustrating. And I'd be lying to you if I said that the last two weeks were pleasant and enjoyable, and a happy time to be a Syracuse Athletics fan. I'm not here to say that it's been good, but I am here to try and spin things today and find a positive and find something in the struggle, to quote Zach Bryan, find something in the orange that is worth it right now, that is enjoyable, that is pleasant, to tell me it's not done to finish that quote off. Right. What can we find on this team right now that makes the rest of the season worth watching? And that is what we're on the hunt for right now. I prefacing, I don't think that this is in a good spot. I don't think Syracuse basketball is in a good place right now. However, I would like to try to find something to close out the season and make the rest of the season pleasant or as pleasant as it can possibly be. And I think right now that leads us to a discussion about Judah Mitz. Because what we are witnessing right now is something truly special out of a freshman point guard who is not a point guard and hasn't been a point guard and who was thrown into the water this year, thrown into the deep end and said, told to figure it out. And he has figured it out. He is your five-time ACC Rookie of the Week. He's been outstanding. He now has more ACC Rookie of the Weeks or Freshman of the Weeks than Brandon Trish did. He leads Syracuse all-time, albeit 10 years, in ACC Player of the Weeks or Freshman of the Weeks. That is what's right now. Things have been truly special on the court regarding Judah Mintz. And I think the last month has been so spectacular in terms of what you're seeing that he isn't even getting enough credit. Well, the credit he's getting is heightening. He's making the national spotlight. Highlight spots, draft camps, things of that nature are putting out his game stats and his game highlights week after week after week. That is really cool. He has done some incredible things in the last month in terms of transforming himself into a player that was young and showed that he was young while also showing that he had talent. He was a young player, needed some maturing, 
needed some seasoning, needed some sort of sanding, I guess, to, to smooth things out a little bit. And we are witnessing right now what is that smoothed out, that more controlled, that more matured Judah Mintz. And it is really, really special. This is the best thing that I think we have seen in terms of a Syracuse point guard since Johnny Flynn. And, you know, let's pull up the Johnny Flynn stats uh, and take a look at what he did when he was at Syracuse his freshman year. Um, because that is sort of what you need to compare to right now in terms of this. Well, freshman year stats for Johnny Flynn and take a look at how they compare to what Judah is doing right now in terms of this career, because it is something that has been absolutely special and something really, really cool. This is the best stuff you've seen in a decade for Syracuse at the point guard position. And I don't think I'm overselling him in that regard. That really is what you're seeing right now. And naturally, Cuse.com no longer has uh, Johnny Flynn stats. We'll switch to, uh, to, uh, to sports reference right now. Freshman year, Johnny Flynn, albeit the team was much Here's going to be your big difference. Johnny Flynn shot the three better than Judah does. Flat out, right? 35% from three his freshman season. Averaging 15.7 a game, 5.3 assists per game. And where's the rebounding stat? Uh, 2.7 rebounds per game at this point in time. Judah, not too shabby. In his regard, the three-point percentage is up to damn near 30% now, which is not something that you thought you were going to see. He's averaging 16 points per game. He is averaging, oh, of course, we don't get rebounds per game on this for Judah. Uh, 129 assists divided by 29 games, 129 by 29. He's averaging four and a half, just about four and a half rebounds per game. And when you look at the rebounds, he is at three a game, just about, oh, 2.3 a game, excuse me. The numbers are relatively comparable. Flynn's got the edge in terms of assists and rebounds slightly. And Judah's got the edge in terms of the scoring slightly. Now, here's where we have this conversation. What happens next? What happens next? with regards to Judah? Does he stay? Does he go regardless? I think it's worth it right now, if you are a Syracuse fan, to just sit back and enjoy the three, maybe more games that you have guaranteed left of Judah Mintz, because what we're watching right now is something that's special. And a guy that is learning at such an exponential pace and improving at such an exponential pace that is something that I don't think even his biggest fans and his biggest uh, advocates would have said or would have told you that he could do this season. He is out performing his ranking where he was compared to other players in the class. He is outperforming where draft analysts thought he could be, which started with nothing and is now a mid-second round pick and improving game after game. He continues to show you that there's more and that he can do it. And when you look at Judah and you look at what he has done in the last few games stretch, 
right? You think the last month, we'll say, starting with North Carolina, he's had 17, 21, 20, 15, 16, 20, 18, 23, 16. That's outstanding. That really is something special to do this in ACC play, albeit a down year. Really, really spectacular to see that. And the cool thing about that as well is watching the assists rise with it. Not as consistent when you go through that same stretch. You go 2, 8, 1, 5, 6, 9, 1, 1, and 6. And the really good thing about those assist numbers for Judah is they typically are heightened in games where he's not scoring, which is exactly what you want out of a scoring point guard. When things aren't working and you can't get to the rim and you can't get your open looks and you're struggling to finish, can you play that other game as a point guard where you are finding your teammates open looks, where you drive and draw the attention and find an open Jesse or a cutting Malik Brown or an open Joe Girard for three? And that is what Judah Mintz is doing. The distribution is really, really something that is coming out of nowhere. And at the start of the season, that was one of his weakest points, was his ability to see for other people and to find those open looks. And right now, I think you can just chalk it down to the fact that he was not a point guard yet. And the more and more he plays, the more we see him as a dynamic scoring point guard. And that right there warrants you watching for the last three, maybe four games of the season, because you are witnessing one of the best freshman seasons that Syracuse basketball has seen in an extended period of time. And it is something that is really cool, regardless of team outcome, regardless of wins. And that is the nod to Judah Mintz right now, because he is doing that and playing like that guy. And you got to enjoy it because you don't know if you get a year two out of this. You got the year two with Johnny Flynn. Very much helped him. He becomes a pick. He's a better player than I want to throw that one out, out there in terms of a draft pick. Longevity, maybe not so much. But that's the case right there. Year two helped Johnny a lot. Are we going to see the year two out of Judah? We're not sure. So let's enjoy it while we can because it is something spectacular that you are witnessing in Orange so far this season. All right, let's take a break. Let's preview Florida or Georgia Tech, because there is a game tonight. There is something that is worth watching in terms of Judah Mintz. And now we've got to take a look at this matchup. This is a game that shouldn't mean a lot, but right now means more than you might have anticipated a few weeks ago in terms of the outlook on this season. We'll break it all down in a second. Before that, let's talk about Built Bar. If you are looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, give Built Bar a try, okay? What makes Built Bars so good is they are covered in 100% real chocolate. That is right. It's real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they're healthy, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around and get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. Now you get them at your local Walmart, your local Sam's Club. Try a 4-bar box at Walmart. Try a 13-bar box at Sam's Club. It's Built Bar. Give it a shot. All right. Let's talk Georgia Tech. Let's talk this matchup. We'll start with a little Ken Palm overview of the Yellow Jackets. They are just inside Ken Palm's top 200, falling at 196. 
Syracuse projected to win this one relatively convincingly, but as we take a look at Georgia Tech's Ken Palm page, there's a lot of red. Their field goal percentage is very low. They shoot under 50%. They're 47.7% from the field as a team with effective field goal percentage. Their three-point percentage is one of the worst in the country at 32.7%. That's good news for Syracuse, although three-point percentage has not necessarily been indicative of how teams shoot the three against the orange. Their two-point percentage is 46.9%. They don't do things very well as a team, and that is a really, really good sign. Now, something of note is that when you look at this Georgia Tech team, and I forget who tweeted this out. Uh, unfortunately, that's slipping my mind, so take your credit if you hear this. Uh, that's on me for not remembering. Someone was talking about it. Georgia Tech is one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country. And it might have been Shields on Hoops that was talking about this. Georgia Tech is one of the worst uh, in the conference, excuse me, one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the conference, but they shoot the most threes or one of the most uh, three-point shooting teams, the highest number of attempts per game, despite really, really low three-point percentage as a squad. This team is going to chuck. And when you're playing a Syracuse zone that has played like it has and allowed threes like it had and struggled defending the three ball like it has in the last three games and in the last two seasons, if you want to go macro, a team that chucks from three is going to continue to chuck from three. And that is something that could be worrisome in this game. I'm beating a dead horse here. It feels like the narrative every time we walk into this game and every time we walk into a game that Syracuse is playing. But that is the stat you have to look at. It is warranted to look at because of how often it has been mentioned and then been a major factor in this game. Georgia Tech is 12 and 17. When you look at their quality wins, they have a win against Miami, 76-70, early on in the season. And they have a win against Georgia or Virginia Tech who is 81 per Ken Palm a couple of weeks ago. I will put this as of a note. Georgia Tech lost nine games in a row from January, from early January to early February. They have won four of their last six with wins over Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, Florida Tech, a non-ranked team, that's an embarrassment, and Louisville. It is the bottom of the ACC, but they're winning games right now. They're scoring points, 83 points against Louisville, 79 against Florida Tech, 77 against Virginia Tech, 70 against Notre Dame. They're scoring a little bit. And Syracuse has allowed teams to score at far too good of a clip, which is something of concern. There's not necessarily on this Georgia Tech team a specific player that you need to watch for as a whole because they very much divide and conquer and score by committee. They have six guys that average between 7.7 and 13.4 points per game. Miles Kelly leads the pack, averaging 13.4 points per game. But you got Coleman, you got Terry, you got Franklin, you've got Smith. No, not Smith, Moore. Smith is hurt right now. Uh, and then you've got uh, Sturdivant. I don't know if that's how you say it. I apologize to him. Five or six guys that are distributing scoring. And they do move the ball around the lot. And they are trying to find open looks and will let anyone score who you want to score. That's just sort of how they work as a squad. They don't have that guy. 
at this point in time. And they play representative of that. They move the ball and, and they try to get looks differently. They will shoot the ball. They're going to chuck. They don't really care about field goal percentage. That's all right. They want to score because they shoot in volume and they get volume shots up and they're going to look to shoot from three. And they don't really have high three-point shooting percentages. Kelly shoots 36%, Coleman 33 Terry 36 Right, they got decent shooters, but no one that is really going to shoot you out of the gym here in terms of an individual player. But they are going to move the ball around. It is going to be a test of Syracuse's rotation, even though this is a bottom of the ACC Georgia Tech squad. It is going to test the zone because the zone gets tested game in and game out, as we know. How can Syracuse recover after three atrocious defensive games? Can they come in and do what they need to do? Can they rotate properly? Can they close out on the three? Can they not leave someone wide open in the corner the entire game? These are your questions. This is what needs to happen for Syracuse in this matchup. Syracuse needs to show that in a game against a garbage team in Georgia Tech, right? What hangs around the garbage? Bees, wasps, yellow jackets, all right? They are the garbage of the ACC. Can you show your fan base, uh, the NCAA, the ACC, whoever is watching this game for whatever reason, they're at least mildly against the worst teams that you play? Because that is what you are trying to show right now. If it's not going to work against the top of the ACC, that's one thing. But if it's not going to work against the bottom of the ACC, you are further feeding into the fire that is this discourse about the 2-3 zone and whether or not it can be played at this point in time in college basketball. That is the question. That is another question that you are looking at right now. Syracuse has played solid on offense. They played one of their best offensive games of the season against Pitt. They hit their most threes. They shot 40 plus, almost 50% from three in that game against Pitt. They scored their most points in a conference game against Pitt. Can they continue doing that? Can the offense continue to thrive? Because if the offense continues to thrive, it allows for the defense to make mistakes. But can they do that right now? I don't know. This is a lost season at this point in time. You're trying to play your way into the NIT. It is hard to fire yourself up for that situation. And I don't want to lie to you and say that you should be fired up. But we did talk about it. For the last few games, enjoy some Judah Mintz. Watch what this kid can do. Because you are really witnessing something amazing happening in Syracuse right now. With a guy that has outperformed every expectation. It's fun. It's cool. Enjoy that, even though you are in a dire situation that is not necessarily what you want to see. Syracuse, at this point in time, Ken Palm's got him at his eight-point favorites right now. You're looking at this team, and you're wondering. It's a home. There are, I believe, green towels available for students early on in this game. That is something of mild relevance. I don't know if that's going to bring you to a game, but maybe it does. Eight-point favorites in this game. You do. What can you do 
What do you want to do? And can you walk out of here victorious? Eight and a half point, excuse me. So they're eight and a half point favorites over under 145 and a half. Courtesy of FanDuel. Thank you, FanDuel, for that. What do you have here? I do think, and call me hopelessly optimistic, I don't think this is hopelessly optimistic. I think Syracuse wins and covers. Call me an idiot. Call me stupid. Call me whatever you want for that thought. I think Syracuse basketball wins and covers this game. They have the capability to do so. The offense is where you want it to be right now or in a spot where you're okay with where it currently is. I think they can win this game. Does it mean anything if they win? Not really. It means that maybe, maybe you throw your cup of water over the fire. Is it going to put out a flame? No. But could it dampen that flame? Null it for a minute or two? Maybe. That's what you're going for here. I think they can do it. My key to this game, I'm not even going to say the the low-hanging fruit of the defense to improve and to not let Georgia Tech get hot from three and to close out. I'm not going to go with that route today. My key to this game is that the Syracuse offense plays the game that we have started to watch it fall into, and you saw at its best against Pitt. My key to the game is for that offense to continue doing what it has been and what it did against Pitt, because if you parlay that offense into this game against Georgia Tech, you should win this game convincingly, and you can win this game convincingly. So do that. I'm going to say to take care of the ball as well, because that is going to be important. Pitt scored, I believe, over 20 points off of turnovers in that last game. Go there in the Dome tonight. Show the fans that show out on a snowy and cold and miserable February Tuesday that you want to put on a show. You want to have some fun. You want to win a basketball game. And you want to go out and do something big. That's the situation right now. Can you give to the fans that are watching you play right now? Because this offseason, I'd anticipate it being a very hostile offseason unless Syracuse attacks the transfer portal, which Jim Beheim has claimed that there are seven or eight guys that they're already chatting with or have reached out, whatever the, the legal terminology is, to come play at Syracuse next year from the transfer portal. I think that's important. I think that's important. And to add to our A block, to add to our starting conversation, is I don't really think there are guys on this team that are worthy of hatred or you should really be angry with. You could be frustrated with Joe Girard. Joe Girard does what he is supposed to do. Joe is supposed to be a three-point shooter. Joe is not supposed to be the option one in terms of scoring on a high-level ACC basketball team. Joe does that. Okay, so you got a few more games to watch Joe Girard, who is one of the all-time leading scorers in Syracuse basketball history now, as a low-level three-star recruit that was outside the top 200 in his recruiting class, developing into one of the all-time scoring leaders at Syracuse. You can be frustrated. You can be angry with him at times. You can question, why did you shoot that ball? But I do think with two games left, three games left, maybe four games left in the career of Joe Girard and Jesse Edwards, that you can sit back and try to enjoy it and try to reflect on what has been a troublesome 
and struggle-filled four years. However, you got two guys that improved and got better and bought in and did what you want them to do in terms of growth. And you have a few more games to see that happen. You could be overjoyed when Joe plays his last game for Syracuse. But I do think it is time to take a step back and look at the fact that this guy came in with maybe overinflated expectations because of what he did locally at a very low level high school program in terms of class, right? It was awesome. He had heightened expectations. If he went elsewhere, those expectations wouldn't have been what they were. Joe came in and was an impact player from his freshman season. Does that, does it again, does it again, does it again. And maybe this is a conversation we have heading into Saturday even further, uh, heading into a senior day, heading into a Jersey retirement, heading into that whole situation. And you reflect on these situations for the Orange because you have seen growth out of guys that weren't anticipated to do what you thought they would. Jesse Edwards is averaging a double-double. Joe Girard comes into this season, is continuing to climb in terms of all-time scoring leaders, is averaging you how many points per game at this point? When you look at this, he leads the team in scoring, averaging 17 points a game. These guys might not be what you wanted them to be, you might get frustrated with him. Hand up. I do. Right? You get frustrated with Joe. You can get frustrated with Jesse. These are two guys that you've watched grow and develop into better basketball players. And unfortunately, you didn't get to see the win-loss reflect their growth. But take a little bit. Watch them tonight. Watch them on Saturday. As disappointing, as, as frustrating as it is, and show a little bit of respect for three players in Judah, in Joe, in Jesse, that you've watched grow. One for a year, two for four years. And send them off in the proper way when the season comes to a close. That's where we'll leave things off today. Thanks for listening. I tried to make things positive. It's nice to be positive every once in a while and try to find the light in things. If you're not happy with the way I've been talking today, Come at me on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. Reply, call me an idiot, whatever you want. I'm trying to bring a smile. I'm trying to bring a positive outlook to this squad right now. And we'll see where we can go from there. Thanks for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen today. For your second listen, check out Lockdown College Basketball. Here, Isaac, Andy, big name experts, coaches, players throughout the basketball landscape. It's Lockdown College Basketball. It's available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. If you are listening to us, wherever you're getting your podcasts right now, feel free to subscribe. Feel free to leave a comment, leave a rating. That would be greatly appreciated. Tell the world how much you love here in Lockdown Syracuse. If you're with us on YouTube, subscribe. Another video per se, if you're in that mood. You still want to get your Syracuse fill. Looking for a little bit more in terms of these conversations. Check it out right there. Thank you so much. I'm Owen Valentine. I'll catch you, hopefully, after a Syracuse win and cover later tonight.